This is Channel 253. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. This is Eric Hanberg, and you are listening to the We Art Tacoma podcast. How are you doing, Doug? I'm grand. This is a delightful episode. We sit down with Chandler O'Leary, who uh, has a new book, The Best Coast, an illustrated atlas of the West Coast. I want it. I really want it. This thing is a, one of the most beautiful, like, physical books I have ever seen. Yeah. And every single thing in it was illustrated or written by Chandler. Let's give it a listen. Chandler O'Leary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Eric. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about all of your many cool projects and especially the book. The book. The book. Uh, but first, um, let's talk about some of your artistic background. What would you say your medium is as an artist? Um, I think of myself as an illustrator and letterer, and uh, I work kind of in a variety of media, but in terms of the illustration, watercolor seems to be my uh, weapon of choice. Yes. And um, also, I do a lot of line drawing, so there's a lot of pen and ink in there. Um, but I think I think if you were to ask other people, they would probably say watercolor is what they identify with me. But I also do some digital work. Um, I, I tend to have one foot in the analog world even when I'm working digitally, though. So it kind of it all kind of looks handmade. Yeah. In a former life, I did a lot of letterpress printing. And I think some people still think of me as a letterpress printer, even though I really haven't done much of that in years now. And that, that's the Dead Feminist Project, or are you thinking about something else? Um, I used to do my own work okay. um, via letterpress as well. Um, now the Dead Feminist is the only letterpress work that I am really a part of anymore. And I am not the printer on that project. Jessica Spring is the printer. She's she's a real letterpress printer. I, I always felt like I was an illustrator who used a press sometimes and was kind of <laughs> posing. <laughs> she's got the printer mecca, she basically, does. Yeah. it seems like. It's, yeah. it's amazing in her print shop. Yeah, she has. you should really have her on sometimes. She, she's great to talk to. Um, she's got a real letterpress print shop. It's incredible. Um, and I have printed some of my my, old, my own older projects there over the years. But I've kind of moved away from that because I never had my own letterpress studio. I didn't want to impose on Jessica all the time. And it's such a labor-intensive, process-heavy medium that I Literally felt heavy. <laughs> really heavy. Yeah. You should, Jessica could tell you the story of how she moved out here with all her equipment. Yes. Um, I've heard that story. It's a great story. Yeah. We will have to get her on just to, just <laughs> just to, to tell, have her that, tell story. that story. Yeah. Um, but that it's such a labor intensive process that I felt like uh, the ideas in my head could never keep up with my output. And I was getting really frustrated with the amount of labor involved for a relatively small output. So I kind of went back to my roots, which was drawing in sketchbooks, doing just one-of-a-kind drawings, more immediate. Like, watercolor is a very immediate medium. It's fast. Um, it doesn't take a lot of equipment. It's it's cheap. You don't need anything really fancy to do it. And, and I felt like that. I could keep up with my own head a little bit more. That's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. So... You moved to Tacoma like in the aughts, if I recall correctly. Oh, eight, yeah. Okay. And if I recall back, the first thing I think I remember seeing of yours was – 
the sign or the logo for a now defunct bookstore on Pacific Avenue. Meta Books. Meta Books. Yeah. It was beautiful. Thank you. I actually just saw him, the guy oh, really? who used to own that. He um, is still a collector of my work. So oh. I just delivered a piece to him like a couple of weeks. Actually, it was right before I had my baby. So mm. um, I actually just saw him. That's cool. Yeah. And that was, I, I was really sad that that bookstore didn't make it. It was, yeah. it was bad timing. It was right at the beginning of the recession in a place with expensive real estate. Yep. Um, but that was actually my first freelance project when I moved to Tacoma. And and what was it? What is it like moving to Tacoma and being an artist? How 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 did you find the Tacoma creative community? I feel like I stumbled upon this magical thing that I feel stupid lucky to have to have accidentally found because it was never. I never knew that Tacoma had such a strong arts community. It wasn't the reason we moved here. I had no idea. Um, I was previously living in Minneapolis. My husband and I had just gotten married. Which has a very strong arts community. It does, but it's a little different than here. It's kind of split between graphic design. They have a huge graphic design community. And I actually worked as a, at my J-O-B was as a graphic designer. Um, and they also have a big letterpress community there. And the two have gone hand in hand for decades. Sure. So, um, but it, it's it's a different feel from here. I think Tacoma's it's smaller for one thing. It's also a more grassroots feeling, more craft fair freelancery world and Minneapolis has a lot of design firms a lot of hiring galleries that sort of and I don't fit into that world hmm. but um I wasn't from the Midwest originally I was from the East Coast and I really wanted to get back to a coast and no offense to Minneapolis I just was ready to try something else hey yeah and so I said to my new husband and said hey how about this how about we move to the Pacific Northwest because we haven't been there yet and how about I quit my day job and start my own business and you can find a job to support us while I get that off the ground and he said okay wow way to go (laughs) he's a good sport um so we wanted to move to the Northwest. We figured it would be Seattle just because that's the biggest city. That's one you'd heard of. <laughs> right. And that was the only place I'd actually been briefly. Yeah. And we figured that's where the jobs would be. But he was offered a one-year sabbatical replacement job at University of Puget Sound. And so we thought, okay, let's try Tacoma. Can't hurt, right? And we loved it. We loved it instantly. And then the economy tanked. Yes. And he had a one-year position, and I was running a fledgling business. Yes. <laughs> And we thought, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Um, but luckily, at the 11th hour, he was hired at um, a, another school here mm-hmm. in town. He teaches high school now. And that was like May. So we were really shaking in our boots at that time because um, usually school jobs yeah. get buttoned up way earlier than that. Yeah. Um, and then my business kind of took off. And so we've been here now 10 years, more than 10 years. And we just we loved it. And the arts community was such a bonus. We had no idea. And then when we moved here, not only did we figure out it was an arts-heavy community, but also the level of institutional support right down to the city council level. I had never lived anywhere that they actually had a city arts program Mm. with employees in charge of like grants and public art commissions and things. And all the credit goes to Amy McBride for basically building that department. From ground up. From ground up. And she was one of the first people I met in town, actually. Wow. I just couldn't believe that we had this in a city of this size that, that that sort of support was there because Minneapolis didn't have that. Um, and it was much more competitive. It was much harder to find your place in a bigger pond like that. And I feel like not only 
did all of these opportunities exist here, but I was really welcomed with open arms. And that also does not happen everywhere. I feel like Seattle doesn't have that sort of welcoming vibe. It's much more competitive. It's much more like, well, okay, yeah, you're another yeah. drop in the bucket. But I never felt like a drop in the bucket here. I feel like in Tacoma, you can say, I'm an artist, and everyone will say, great. Yay! And in, in Seattle, it's like, I'm an artist. Like, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> which, oh, another one? <laughs> which has its downsides because, you know, like, like – are you a real artist? Yeah. I, I mean, in Tacoma, <laughs> there's some downsides to the to the to that because it's yeah. like um, it can. I don't. We don't need to get into that. I think it, it can be hard because you it it's changing because t- I feel like Tacoma's arts community is growing. There's now a Absolutely. lot of people I don't know anymore. I used to know everybody. And, well, all the, all the artists fled Seattle and they ended up here. Right, and now it's weird. I've only been here a decade, but I'm kind of one of the old guard now, and I'm like, <laughs> I've not been here that long. But I, but people kind of treat me as part of the old guard now. Yeah. But I, when you have a smaller community, you tend you see the same names over and over again. And I know right. I'm. People are probably sick to death of me because they see me at all the same things. Oh yes. Oh Chandler. <laughs> There's that Chandler. So sick of her. Um, but I think the upside of that is that it's easier for an emerging artist to kind Absolutely. of find their way in. Absolutely. And I think it's still, even though it's grown, it's still really welcoming to newcomers. And I know I'm happy to meet new people. I'm glad to see new folks arriving. And although I, I think it took me all of five seconds to get that Tacoma chip on my shoulder because, oh, yeah. you know, I I was here immediately. And Comes was, with a driver's license. Oh, and getting the insults <laughs> from Seattle people. And it took me five minutes to be like, hey, now, wait a minute. Who are you calling hard scrabble? Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, you're liking us now. You're all wanting to move here now. <laughs> Um, so you said you're from the East Coast, and you probably wouldn't mention this, so I'm just going to. You went to a very prestigious uh, art and design school, the Rhode Island School, school of, of Des- design. design, RISD. RISD, um, although the joke was there's also a Rhode Island School of Bartending. RISB. RISB. So we had this, my friends and I had this joke that if you ever flunked out of RISD, you could always go to RISB. That's funny. <laughs> and if you say it fast enough, maybe nobody will notice. <laughs> what did you uh, focus on when you were a student there? Uh, I was an illustration major, although I had a totally different trajectory at the time. Um, from the time I was a small kid, I thought I wanted to be an animator, hmm. specifically a Disney animator. Well, sure. There's my dork cred right there. I read a biography of Disney. It's fascinating He stuff. is a fascinating guy. He's a fascinating guy. individual. And he was a groundbreaking state-of-the-art inventor. He really was. He invented a lot of the techniques that... And business person. And business person. I mean, I I really think the guy was a genius. And I think he was a decent human being, too, which there's so much coming out about people that they turn out not to be decent people. So it's... Well, and and can I just say here for a second that, like, having a a daughter, like, it's really... Like, there's definitely problems with Disney princesses. Totally. And yet, like, name another studio that keeps putting out movies for girls. Female protagonists, yeah. It's it's not a common thing, so... I I read an analysis... My my favorite movie growing up was The Little Mermaid. Classic. As Lin-Manuel Miranda's, I think, as well, so you're in good company. Oh, that makes me love him even more. (laughs) And I just read an analysis of it that, that was highly feminist, and even though it's a princess movie... It talks about her leaving a well-meaning but abusive father and finding her own way and being wanting to study basically a STEM field at a time and place where it was discouraged for young women. And and it kind of blew my mind to That's look at it again. Yeah. I'll have to forward you that. I'm really interested. Yeah. Yeah. So so you wanted to be an animator. And I went to went to RISD and I was told actually I actually applied to CalArts, which was the feeder school for all of the Disney animators. It was actually founded by Walt Disney, hmm. California Institute of the Arts. It's in it's in suburban LA. Um and I didn't get in there. And I thought, oh, my God, if I can't get into CalArts, which is more of a tech school than an art school, I'll never get into RISD. And I did, and I was shocked. 
and they do have an animation program. Um, but I was told, I was given the advice that anima- animation studios want illustrators because they want people who can tell a story through their drawings. Oh. So they advised all the animation people to actually um, major in illustration if they wanted to do Disney type work. So I did. And I, um, I took some animation classes and Dis- discovered that I absolutely hated doing animation, and it, it's good I, to discover early. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, and I found that it, it was the storytelling and the drawing that I was really into, not the drawing something a thousand times for six cents, seconds of film and then splicing film and all of the technical parts of that. Yes. So I had to learn all of that, and I hated it. And I thought, oh my god, what am I going to do now? So from there, I you know, luckily I was already in in illustration. I could stay where I was, but I started learning about comics and sequential art and book arts, binding books, printmaking, and and that's kind of what led me to what I do now. So it's yeah. still telling a story. It's still kind of sequential things. I still work in series, but it's just it's just a different path. A different way to do it. Yeah. I want to focus on a project of yours that I think is so fascinating, and it will tie into your your travel book mm. here, uh, your Mount Rainier series. Yeah. So you have a, a series of Mount Rainier where it's almost like a, a little make-your-own diorama made yeah. out of like cardboard or paper. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Because I think it's so cool. So that's actually a good segue from talking. I mentioned book arts and artist books. So an artist book is not like a book you buy at a store necessarily. They tend to be handmade and they, they are an art object over which the artist has a high degree of control. So maybe the artist wrote the story in addition and maybe it was hand-bound. Not all artist books look like books at all, and this project does not look like a book, but it is. Um, so it's called Local Conditions. Um, subtitle is 100 Views of Mount Rainier, at least. At least. <laughs> and I got the idea, actually, on my very first trip to Seattle. I was out here on vacation, and everybody had told me, oh, you're never going to see Mount Rainier um, because of the weather. But I was here in January, in a, it was January, and it was sunny. It was a cold snap. And coming from Minnesota, it felt like summer to me, but everybody was bundled up. Right. And because it was cold, the mountain was out. So I got to see it, and I got to see kind of the clouds roll in and obscure it. And I thought I thought immediately of um, the Japanese artist Hokusai. And he did the 100 Views of Mount Fuji in the mid-19th century. And that's a very famous series. The Seattle Art Museum has several of those prints. And I thought, oh, wouldn't it be funny to do 100 Views of Mount Rainier, but Mount Rainier's not in half of them. Ha, 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 ha. And it started out as this joke, and then I started thinking of it more. And then when I moved here, I thought, well, what if I could make this into an artist book where it's more of an interactive experience for the viewer? And so... The book is it, – it resembles an old stage set. It's like a set of drawers with a little theater set that you put into place, and then you can build your own scenes of Mount Rainier using these different cards that are cut with different um, foregrounds, middle grounds, backgrounds. And I documented 100 scenes that I actually went to and drew and photographed and documented through like GPS – or not, wow. even, not even GPS. I used um, topographic maps. I used paper maps wow. to do it. So I went all that's hardcore. That's very on brand for you. Very on brand. <laughs> and my husband's a former geologist, so like that's also on brand. Okay. <laughs> um, but there are actually millions, literally millions of possibilities. You could ignore my 100 views and just take the pieces and Because there's, there's how many different cards? There's 120 little – I call them flats. Flats. 120 flats, and there's uh, eight slots in the little – viewing window. And and you can probably put pictures up on your show notes of this. Um, 
And so with those possibilities, there are, there's – my husband did the math. It's 1.5 quintillion. I would imagine, yeah. So that's 10 to the 15th power. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Never the same. Never the same. So, But, but that's how Mount Rainier feels. It's, yeah. it's like you, you catch it on Ruston Way and it looks huge, but then when yeah. you're over here, it's this – Under t- the Murray Morgan Bridge, it's like tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then it, if you hold your iPhone up, it's the tiniest little thing. Right. You and you can't even, get a yeah, decent picture exactly. of it. I know. And – and then that's kind of what led me to that because this Hokusai series, uh, he actually did two series. He did 100 views of Mount Fuji in black and white, and then he did 36 views, which are actually more famous in color. That's the one with the great wave. Everybody's seen that. Oh, that's one Jap- of the – That's one of the 36 Interesting. views. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so Mount Fuji is actually tiny yes, in that tiny. one. Um, but what I realized in looking at this these series as a whole that he did is that it's not really about Mount Fuji at all. It's about everything else, life going on around it. And so there's some scenes in my project that are that are dead ringers. For, they're like homages to his scenes. Like there's an upside down reflection in a lake um, that I totally stole from him as an homage. And he also saw Mount Fuji as eternal, as immortal. But it's not immortal. It's a volcano. Right. It's not only is it going to erode, it's also going to blow up someday. And so and Mount Rainier's the same. So I was constantly mindful of things changing both on the mountain and around it. Like there are this book has also become an accidental documentation of things that aren't there anymore. Like sure. the Luzon building in downtown oh, Tacoma. Yes. I went to that demolition. So there's a before and after of that building in the book. Um, there's a bunch of other buildings that I thought were safe and are now gone because of all the development around here. And yeah. so this project's almost 10 years old now. And so it's it's interesting to go back and look at it and say, oh, my God, that's not there anymore. Or this looks totally different than it did. Yeah. Yeah. So it became this kind of documentation. And when I first moved here, I hadn't been anywhere outside of Seattle. So I wanted to document Mount Rainier, but you couldn't Google like best places to view Mount Rainier. It just didn't exist. So I had to kind of build this muscle memory of all of these places and do a lot of trial and error and staring at USGS maps. And now I have this incredible mental map of the whole region. And I could tell you all the places you can go and get a great view. It's viewable for for something like 22 counties in the the state or something like that. It's really crazy. Yeah. And I've, you know, even I still am in that habit. I still like there's all these places in town where I'll be driving or walking and I'll know to look when I clear this corner and see if it's there. And I still have that habit and I hope it never goes away. 11th and Market. There's yeah. There's this great little peekaboo view as you go through the, the intersection there. Yeah. And I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. I really want to get to uh, the Best Coast, a road trip atlas, but we're going to do that after the break. So we'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your awesome new book and your travel blogging. Great. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Nerd Farmer podcast on the Channel 253 Network. I fly a lot. And when I fly, I want to actually enjoy my time in the air. So I'm looking for two things. One, being treated like a human being. And two, an amazing mileage plan. And for those two things, the only game around is Alaska Airlines. The flight attendants are courteous, the service is efficient. And when I fly with Alaska, I feel like a human, like a customer, not a commodity. And the mileage plan. I get rewarded for the miles that I fly, which means that flying across the country really racks up the miles. So the next time you're looking to fly from SeaTac, skip the travel sites. Just head to alaskaair.com, book your ticket. You'll thank me. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP Gold, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. And we are back. Uh, thank you to our sponsor. And I always take this opportunity 
to thank our members who help support Channel 253 and We Art Tacoma. Uh, we are really trying to do our best here, talking to all sorts of people who aren't getting mentioned and covered elsewhere. And uh, it's important uh, to know that we have the community support. So if you like what we're doing, channel253.com slash membership. Thank you. Okay, Chandler, the best coast, a road trip atlas. This is an illustrated atlas of the West Coast. What were you thinking? <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't thinking too hard about it at the time because I think if I were, I'd be like, oh my God, I could I could never do this. Um, but I have had an idea like this in my head for a long time. I wanted to do a totally illustrated travel guide. And this started with my website, Drawn the Road Again. So like the, dot com. Dot com. Like the Willie Nelson song, On the Road Again, only Drawn the Road Again because I love bad puns. And actually, Eric, you built that website for me. I helped. Back back in the day. I was like, I have this idea and I don't know how to make it work. And you made it work. So I helped. Thank you. <laughs> um, and it that website doesn't have a single photograph on it. It's all illustrated. And I, it, unlike a sort of travelogue that says on day one we went here and day two we went there. It kind of is thematic in nature and it jumps around and draws parallels, no pun intended, between totally disparate places and tells these stories and kind of has these narrative arcs. And I wanted to do a, a travel guide, an actual guidebook that was sort of like that. Um, and so I I had worked with Sasquatch Books once before with Dead Feminists that I co-authored with Jessica Spring. And won the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Award for that, if I recall correctly. We did. Yes. Yeah, that was kind of a shock. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, my editor on that book um, approached me and said, you know, we you had told us at the time that we did Dead Feminists that lettering is really popular again. And wow, turns out you're right. Would you ever want to do a how-to guide on lettering? And I said, No. <laughs> It wasn't at all what I was interested in. Yeah. And I had this other idea that I was getting ready to pitch her about. And I started kind of feeling anxious about it and thinking, oh, am I going to lose my chance? And I said, well, no, I don't. I don't want to. I'm not interested in that. But I have this other idea. Can I meet you for coffee and talk about it? And originally, I had wanted to do a travel guide to, about Route 66. Mm. And that may still happen someday. Who knows? But um, it turned out it was kind of outside the wheelhouse of Sasquatch Books because it was way outside the region. And But she liked the idea of an illustrated travel guide. She said, well, what else have you got? And I said, well, what about something like that but for the West Coast? Because like Route 66, the West Coast also has these historic highways and these relics of road trip travel. Yeah. Um, and so she said, great, send me a pitch. Um, and so I put together a proposal. And she – because it was a solicited proposal, I actually had her help with it, which is really – really nice. It's like a little leg up. And um, and the publisher accepted it. We kind of went back and forth with some changes. But the book is remarkably close to how I originally envisioned it. And with this book, I, I had a really high degree of control, which was so lovely and so unusual in the publishing world. Um, I basically designed it as I wrote it. And some things changed, of course, and I worked with the art director at Sasquatch to kind of make everything work because she has much more knowledge on books that function and not just look pretty. But it's really, really close. Almost everything that I propose is in there. And it's really it's really amazing. And I'm so grateful that they gave me that much control. And I think it made everybody's job easier, too, because I still can't think in terms of word count. Like if someone tells me, oh, write 10,000 words, I don't know what that means. Right. But I do know 
what it is to look at a layout and say, okay, I have I have a three and a half inch text block on both sides. What can I do with what that? What can I do? Yeah. So this book was written by you mm-hmm. and illustrated by you mm-hmm. and pretty much laid out by you. Yeah, to a point. Yeah. To a point. Yeah. Did, did you go to China and manufacture it yourself too? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I was dying to because I'm a total control freak, and I I miss going. That was the one the thing I miss the most from my graphic design days is going to press checks yeah. and having my little loop and looking at you know the the moray pattern under the under the loop and saying, hey, can we cut you know can we bump up the cyan a little bit? And I didn't get to do that, but <laughs> that's okay. So as we look through this, we see. Uh, text. We see maps, illustrated maps. Yes, these are these are not uh, Google Maps no. here. These are illustrated maps. We see illustrations of little uh, tourist traps or things you might want to see along the way. Um, I'm on the page for wine country here, and um, this page looks like it. This page alone looks like it was a hundred hours of work because we have <laughs> two maps, an illustration of grapes and wine country. Uh, we've we've got an illustrated title for wine country. Mm-hmm. Um, this, Hand lettering this, this everywhere. Is, Doug, Doug's trying to see it through the window. I want one so bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did this take to produce? I mean, this this is an incredible uh, feat, not just in terms of the actual. Um, um, you know, illustration and writing, but like to gather this must have been incredible. Yeah. You know, I thankfully I had done a lot of the research already because, I mean, I'm going to be traveling all the time anyway. So I kind of had all of the – at that point, it was almost eight years worth of road trips up and down the coast. So I had tons of sketchbook drawings and I had zillions of photographs already that I had done. And I could actually – present that to the publisher. And some of those drawings are basically reproduced. I had to redraw them for the format, but some of them are just right out of my old sketchbooks. But then I made one more trip after the book had been contracted. And I spent a month, actually. And it was kind of cleanup. It was like batting cleanup. It was like all the places I hadn't yet gotten to, um, all the places that are way out of the way, like getting on a boat and going to Catalina Island or doing the Channel Islands, stuff like that. And, um, And I also drove every inch of Highway 99 from border to border, wow. which I had done pieces of, but I'd never done the whole thing. And it's actually kind of a feat to do the whole thing because it's not contiguous no. anymore. And it, it sends you off on these wild goose chases. Um, you got to see Fife doing that. Fife <laughs> with the poodle dog. <laughs> and the, the daffodil. I guess that's kind of federal way. That daffodil It's motel. kind of on the border of like Fife and Milton. Yeah. It's like... It's, yeah. Once yeah. you get off of I-5, there's really interesting things to see. Yeah. And I-5 has replaced a lot of what Highway 99 was, but you can still drive something like 85% of old Highway 99. Wow. It's just you may have to get off, especially in like the mountains of Oregon, you have to get off the freeway every exit. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you do that? I did. That's crazy. It took forever. It took me, so from Tacoma to Ashland, Oregon, at the bottom of Oregon, if you take the freeway, it's like seven hours. It's a, it's a long day in the car, but you can do you it can just do fine. You can do it. Yeah. If you do via Highway 99 and you never stop, it's like 15 hours. Oh, man. And I did it. Oh, man. And I got into Ashland like at 9 p.m. and it was pitch dark. And I was like, okay, but I did it. (laughs) So I probably didn't plan that as well as I could have done, but I had only so many. Lesson learned, yeah. I had to get to, you know, Sacramento by (laughs) the next day. So, um I'm, I've already lost the no, original it, question. So, so you oh, the putting it together. Yes. Um, it actually, I think any book is like this, but this book especially was really the sum of a lot of pieces. So it was like this weird puzzle to make every to put everything together. And because doing a book like it has that nature anyway, 
that was part of why I lobbied so hard to for them to let me do the layout as I went, because then I wouldn't have to write excess text and then edit it back or add more. We actually had a really good picture of how much space we had. And I still had to rewrite things, but mostly it was because of maybe like my content wasn't so great Okay. rather than this isn't fitting, you need filler. There's no filler in the book. It's really tight. And... And so having all these pieces, trying to fit a map into a layout and and making the map fit like a geographical area that had to fit in a vertical space, it was this weird game of puzzle piece yeah. fitting. Um, and I also, there's a lot of little illustrated icons in there. So I kind of drew everything in these pieces and then we fit everything together digitally. The other monkey wrench in this was that I was pregnant at the time that the final illustrations were happening and I was really ill oh, no. <laughs> the whole time. So um, I man- we managed to not push the pub date back. It was a near thing, but I needed every second. And when they, you know, my editors were really great. They were understanding and they pushed back every deadline they could so I could work around that. But it was really hard. And yeah. there were some days when I was like, oh my God, I just want to lie down on the floor. <laughs> yep. But I have I have to do six maps today or I'm not going to make the deadline. So oh it was it was a struggle, but it feels so good to have gotten there with everybody's help. What what put it all together? What is this? How much text? How many illustrations? How many maps? Um, it's been a while since I tallied up the text. I think it's about 70,000 words, which is just – that's a little less than a no- – it's like a novella in length. Um, and there's over 400 – It's, it's a sh- just a short novel. Yeah. I, I've had some novels at 70,000 words, and I want them to be novels. So let's just call <laughs> okay. it a novel. All right. It's about a novel in length, so it's about, it's about 70,000 words. And um, – there are over 400 full-color illustrations, 99 maps, uh, and a bu- like another 112 hand-lettered treatments in there, and then another 100 or so like little tiny illustrated icons, like little little signs and little kangaroo rats and little wine bottles and things. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of little pieces that – and big pieces that went together. That is – Absolutely amazing. And just sending, I mean, just sending the files was just this big exercise in double checking everything. And even like the day before it went to press off in China, we were, we were, we had like three design people and two editors and me all, all like checking all the boxes and like, oh my God, where did the, where did the shining axe go? We need the, we need the axe from the shining. Where's the file? And I had to like resend the file for these little pieces. It was this massive logistics game. And somehow it all came together. And if there are any mistakes in there, I just don't even want to hear about nope. it. <laughs> nope. Nothing. You don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> Why is the shining axe in there? <laughs> <laughs> just, no. just... I know. This is this is the kind of book that is. There's weird, <laughs> random things like that. Timberline Lodge. Timber... Timber... Very good, Doug. Timberline Lodge is where they filmed the exterior shots for the Shinnin. Yeah, the Overlook. <laughs> yeah. And um, the Here's Johnny axe. I'm not even sure it's the actual one from the movie. I think it might be a replica. Eh, Whatever. I Whatever. Don't, I don't care. It is behind the desk in the lobby. Nice. And you can ask for it. If You, you can ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take a photo with it. And I totally did with a strange. I was there with my in-laws. And they were off exploring somewhere else, and I saw the axe, and I'm like, oh, my God, you have the axe. And they're like, would you like it to take oh a goodness. picture? And there was some random dude standing next to me, and he was like, I'll take a picture of you if you'll take a picture of me. So we had a little moment. Axe handoff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. So there are all kinds of things like that 
in this book. And I, I have a thing for movies filmed in real locations. And so there's also a the book has a lot of side trips. So it's not it doesn't just adhere to the old highways. Like half the book is about Highway 99. The other half is about the coastal highways. So one and 101. But there's side trips. So yeah. you can there's a side trip to Yosemite on there because it's only a couple of hours from Highway 99. And the old park hotel at Yosemite is the what used to be called the Awani Hotel. It's now called like the Majestic Yosemite Hotel or something. Um, and the interior shots of The Shining were f- were filmed in a studio that was based on that hotel. Okay. So there's kind of this there's this Shining reference in several places in the book, and and it's fun how the West Coast has so many stories like that because especially with movies, they'd film things in Southern California, but then if they needed a different climate, they'd go up to Oregon. Yeah. And so there's all these little connections to be made just through Hollywood. So when can people get their hands on this beautiful book? The book comes out very soon uh, on Tuesday, April 9th. That's Mm -hmm. the pub date. Mm -hmm. And the following day, April 10th, uh, we're having the big launch party at King's Books here in Tacoma. That's at 7 p.m. It's free. Um, I'll be saying a few words about the process. I'll bring some of my illustration originals so people can see how that translated. And we'll have cookies and there'll be prizes. We're going to give away a couple of signed copies of the book and then some art prints of mine, some greeting cards, that sort of thing. So yeah. there'll be plenty of prizes. Wow. This this is an incredible achievement, I really have to say. There's there's probably not much out there like this because no one else would, would attempt it, yeah, it seems like. It's a like. little crazy. It, that's, the, you know, that's the thing. People... Now that I'm an author, whatever that means, people ask me what I write, and I'd say, well, I write illustrated nonfiction for adults. And that category is really small. Really small. It's growing. It's catching on. But there's not a lot to compare it to. And there's, to my knowledge, there really isn't an illustrated travel guide, at least not like this. And so the publisher is really taking a chance on this book. And I have other ideas for like other books I really want to do. Route 66 is Route 66, I'd like to do a National Parks one. That's Absolutely. probably the next one that I really want to do. But we kind of have to see how this book does before yeah. before they'll say yes before they'd be willing to say yes to another one. So we'll see. If you ever did the East Coast, you'd have to like apologize because it's not the best coast. I know. And what? there's no rhyme. Like You can't say like the East Coast. That doesn't work. Don't don't do that. And I already feel bad because I grew up on the East Coast. So I'm like, I didn't actually actually mean this to be disparaging to the East Coast. (laughs) They they probably will be fine with it. Yeah. 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 So maybe that will happen someday. (laughs) (laughs) Where, um, Where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, I have my own website, ChandlerO'Leary.com, and I also have my travel website, DrawnTheRoadAgain.com, and those are kind of my two main presences, but also I am one half of uh, DeadFeminist.com, and then I, with your wife, your lovely wife, Mary Holstie, we also have the Misadventure podcast, so she and I collaborate on that together. And, you, and that's uh, a travel talk podcast. about all of the travel that inspired the book, basically. Yeah. Yep. So we also did a podcast about this about this book, and um, we've just finished recording a podcast about her adventures in Australia. So yeah, yeah. So there are many different ways to find Chandler. I'm around. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, uh, I I really appreciate you taking the time to share about the book to spend all of the time writing it because I just think that this is an amazingly beautiful book and I'm excited to see the West Coast through your eyes because um, you 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 have that attention to detail that is captured by your illustrations and by your writing and I think it's going to be really exciting. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I hope, hope you like it. Yeah. Thanks for be- coming on the show. Thanks for having me.
Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.